0: Man, how many are thankful for the people in your life that God has blessed you with, that has invested into you? Anybody thankful for those people? Man, I'm extremely thankful. Welcome once again. Good morning. Hope you're having an incredible day so far. We are kicking off a brand new series entitled Love Handles. Everybody just say that real quick. Say Love Handles. All right. You might like that title. Um, and I think this series is really going to help us um, navigate relationships and get a handle on relationships. The temptation for me every single February, if we decide to take on a relationship type of series, it's not a bad temptation um, because I I do think it's appropriate, but the temptation for me is, is to tackle this subject primarily through the lens of marriage or dating or being single and all of those things, um, and we're going to hit some of that in this series. I think what we're going to be talking about hits all of that, but I really want um, us to pursue healthy relationships, and I believe that what we're going to learn in this series is going to help us have Better relationships, more contentment in those relationships. How many would say today that you could use God's blessing in your relationships? Anybody at all? Like, I, I think we can all say amen to that. Um, but one of the biggest impediments to healthy relationships is a topic um, that most of us are familiar with. We've, we've heard sermons on it, maybe read books on it. But I do think it's important to talk about, but I want to talk about offense offense today. I want to deal with this subject, um, and I want to start with some questions. Have you guys ever noticed, or have you noticed, um, that many people today are incredibly and easily offended? Have you noticed that? That a lot of people, have you you noticed how easy it is to offend someone? I hate to ask this, but it's important to ask. um, Have you noticed that Christians are easily offended. Let's think about that for a minute. As followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be offended easily, but many times it's the people in the church that profess to follow Jesus that always end up all in their feelings, offended over this and angry over that. And the question is, why, why is that happening? I hope to answer that in the series, but I think for a lot of us, we get saved and we begin to follow Jesus and we start believing that it is our calling, it's our assignment to get angry and offended over all the things that are wrong in the world and gripe and complain and rant and rave. After all, we just hate sin and we hate what's wrong. I'm being a little sarcastic, but a lot of people believe that their assignment is to be mad and to be angry and that their anger and their offense is gonna produce something good in the world. The truth is is that we live in a world where people are easily offended. A lot of people, maybe even the people in this room, some of you are angered today. You're offended about something. So what should our response be? Because the truth is, is that Jesus did say offenses would come, things would come our direction that would hurt us, but how many know hurt is a reaction? Offense is a choice. We're going to get hurt, but if you're walking in offense and you continue continually ponder what happened to you and talk about what happened to you, then you are making a conscious decision to stay the same, to stay angry and to stay offended. What if I told you that you could live unoffendable? What if I told you that it is possible for you to live without being offended, that you could actually overcome the offenses in your life. For some of you, that sounds ridiculous. You're like, Pastor Chad, I mean, how in the world could I live without being offended and angry and frustrated because we live in a world full of crazy people. We live in a world filled with people that that make us mad. We We have crazy people at the workplace and crazy people on social media. We have people serving us coffee that get on our nerves, except at the Bethesda Cafe. By the way, can we give it up for the Bethesda Cafe? Because they do it with a smile. But there's crazy people everywhere we go. And so how am I supposed to live unoffended I mean everywhere we go there are loud obnoxious opinionated people and sometimes it's not just that they're loud and opinionated but they're critical of me they said things about me how can I live unoffendable I would describe myself as a person who is not easily offended I think Pastor Kieran would, would agree with that statement. Um, it's not that I can't be offended. I, I've been offended before and upset and angry and frustrated with people and uh, all of that stuff. But I'm not easily offended. But I have found myself over these last two years becoming easily agitated. Can I get a witness? Over the last two years, I think many of us can agree that you know there are just more and more things to be agitated over. More and more things to be frustrated over. And as a pastor, there's hardly a day or week that goes by that I don't have an opportunity to react to hurt or disappointment or to a critical word and become offended. And so with that being said, in this message today, I will probably offend many of you. My goal is to offend you. In an attempt, in an attempt to help you get over your offenses, your anger, and possibly the unforgiveness in your life. James chapter 1 verse 19. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. I want you to notice, he did not say quick to speak, quick to post, quick to go on a rant, he said, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become, to become angry. Another question for you, how are you doing with that assignment? He said, I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. How are you doing with that assignment? I think we live in a culture where many people, they're, they're not listening but we are quick and fast to speak, to share our opinion, and we are easily offended and easily angered. But we're encouraged through the word of God that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Think about this for just a moment. We spent the month of January in a four-week series talking about not just the truth that Jesus taught, because he taught, he, he taught all kinds of amazing truth, But we spent four weeks talking about the way Jesus lived. How many of you understand Jesus lived differently than everyone else? He he not only taught truth, but he lived differently. In fact, throughout the Gospels, Jesus was asked 183 questions. But he only directly answered three of the 183 questions. And the reason being, and, and, and in turn, he asked 307 questions. And the reason for that is because Jesus is incredibly others focused. He was always focused about others, not, not himself, but others. He was slow to speak and he was quick to listen. As we think about our assignment today, what we, we need to, to look at this scripture and understand the importance of being quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. And when we think about that, when we think about anger, I think anger is, has evolved in the last two years. And when I say anger has evolved, I, I think there's a lot of things people are mad about and angry about. But if we could go back two years, maybe even three years, maybe it was the little things that angered us. You know, somebody didn't text us back. You know, we're angry that they didn't text us back. We're, we're, or or worse yet, you send the text and, and you're looking at your phone and, and the little bubbles appear and you're like, all right, they're typing back. And then they, they ghost you. Now I'm angry because they never responded to my text. I'm important, bless God. I'm being sarcastic. All right. Some of you don't, don't get my humor at all. Um, or, or, or before the last couple of years, we go to a theater and we're watching a movie, we paid good money, we got our buttered popcorn, we're licking our fingers, and then someone starts talking. That's bad. Even worse, some people will actually answer their phone, right? And we're angered about that. There's a lot of little things that maybe we were angry about, but I believe that anger has escalated in our culture. It's all around. I mean, we look around and we say things like, all these idiots on social media. We got people that will die on the hill. You better be vaccinated. And then you got people saying, you better not get the vaccination. You better wear your mask. You should never wear a mask. Is this too real? Right, And everybody's willing to die for their cause. We're willing to rant and to rave and we're willing to die on, on a hill of peripheral issues that are not even in the word of God. If we're going to die on a hill, let's die on one that says it's because of Jesus and his kingdom and that's what's important and that's something we can, we can die on that hill. But masks and vaccines and, and, and all these things that people, I mean, they are fighting over it. And we, we got such strong opinions about it. We get angry over our issues. And the truth is we all have issues. I've got strong opinions. You got strong opinions. Can I get an amen in the house? Some of y'all are like fr- afraid now. We, we, we have that thing that we think everyone should be upset about, and we should all be working together to fix this, and if we're really followers of Jesus, we should be doing it this way, and the anger escalates, and the reason it escalates is because we have our issues that we're mad about, but it goes to the next level because we get angry not only at our issue or our opinion or our stance, but now we're angry about the fact that people around us are not angry about what we're angry about. And and we got all of these issues and all these opinions making us angry. It's that anger is evolving. I don't know about you, but I as I, I said a few minutes ago, I, I found myself being easily agitated. There is so much going on around us. And with all the anger and the frustration, and the offense that is going on in the world, as I was praying about this message and thinking about this message, I want to say to you, the Lord is not pleased with all this anger. Is that fair to say? That God is not pleased with all of this anger. And it may not be true for you, but I've come to the conclusion that some people like being angry. They enjoy being offended. I I wouldn't say that they like what angers them. I, I don't think they like what angers them or they like what offends them, but I am seeing a trend happening with angry people. We have connect groups launching today. But some people, they're not in a connect group. They're in an anger group. It's called social media. And they got 52 friends, and they're all mad about the same thing. And they post what ticks them off, And because they got 52 people that will hit the like or the love or the care or, you know, yes, 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 say that again, say it louder for the people in the back, you know, drop the mic, hashtag truth bomb. We think because we got all of these people on our team that now we are morally superior to everybody else. We're right. Everybody else is wrong. I'm holy. they're evil. They're evil. They're idiots. They're evil idiots. Do you all see like the problem with this? I mean, am I the only one that sits back and it's almost like, and it's probably not the right thing to do. I'm like, I need to pop some popcorn, get my Coke and just watch it unfold. People are crazy, they've gone mad. Everything agitates them. Everything angers them. Everyone else is evil. And I don't think it's pleasing to God. So let me ask you a question. How effective is your anger? How effective is it? I didn't ask, is your anger justified? I didn't ask, are you right or wrong? But I asked, how effective is your anger? Like, how's it going for you? If you're easily angered, is it working? Is it pointing others to intimacy with Jesus? How effective is it? Is it making you more loving? Is it drawing people into a more joyful life? Here's a spoiler alert for the message. Your anger isn't working. And that's not my word, that's God's word. Because James chapter one, verses 19 has a follow-up verse in verse 20. If we tie them together, look at how it reads. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That, my friend, is a drop the mic, truth bomb, yes, 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 say it louder for the people in the back. Human anger is not producing the righteousness that God desires. Your human anger, my anger, is not producing the righteousness that God desires. Your your anger at opposing political views or the guy that gave you the middle finger in traffic I got a story about that. We'll save it for another time. I may let somebody else share that. But our anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And you may have a part of you that's pushing back on it a little bit, this message. And, and I get it. My, my flesh push, is pushing back on this message today. Because a lot of times in the church, we think we have a righteous anger. You know, it, I, I just have this righteous indignation you know i'm mad about the things that god's mad about i i got a righteous anger you know i got a hatred toward the things that god hates but i don't know about you but 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 if you've noticed this about a righteous anger when people use the whole i got a righteous anger i got to set this thing straight and i'm going to fix this and fix that we're we're angry about someone's sin but have you all have you noticed that it's always someone else's sin that we're righteously angry about how come it's never your own sin man I should drop a pen we, we got a righteous anger with what's going on over here and refusing to deal watch this with our own imperfections. I know some of y'all came up in here with a halo, and you holy, and you got it all together, and you don't even need sleep at night because you just sit in the presence of God and float around on a cloud spiritually, but the rest of us have some imperfections that we could actually be working on if we were not so righteously angry at everybody else's sin so I don't even think it's a righteous anger a lot of times in some ways I think it should be called a self-righteous anger self-righteous because as Christians it's real easy to criticize their foul language but ignore our own spiritual pride it's easy to judge someone's sexual sin and ignore our gossip have I offended anyone yet? because if not I'm coming We're upset about all these things and yet refuse to deal with our own heart. So again, how effective is your anger? Is your anger bringing you more joy? Is, is your anger blessing and enhancing your marriage? Is your anger helping you live a life that your children want to emulate? I mean, these are some good questions to ask is my anger effective so if we're going to get a handle on relationships then we got to get a handle on our anger and on, on offense and bitterness and unforgiveness all the things that impedes our relationships now here's a decision we have to make as followers of Jesus this should be on the screen for you do i want to make a point or do i want to make a difference this is important because a lot of people simply want to make a point. If we want to make a difference and not just a point, then we may, we may need to approach it with a different attitude, a different philosophy when dealing with the wrongs in the world or the wrongs in our relationships. And rather than letting our flesh our feelings, our emotions, direct all of our actions, we need to take a step back and say, God, by the Holy Spirit, how should I respond? How should I go about this? Because the truth is we're not just trying to win another argument. We're trying to win people to the grace and the goodness of Jesus. And how many know there's a big difference It's a big difference in you making a point and you making a difference. And a lot of times, I think as followers of Jesus, the temptation is, I'll show them, I'll tell them. And we made our point, but we didn't make a difference. In scripture, there was a guy who was very, very smart. The Bible says that he was an expert in the law, which means he knew a lot about the word of God. And he came to Jesus one day and he He has all this wealth of information and knowledge. He knows about God. He knows the things of God. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I know a lot of stuff, but I need to know what is the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39, it says Jesus replied, this is the most important thing. This is one of the three questions that he answered directly. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all right god what what's important what's important is to love god with every fiber of my being to worship him to live for him to to love him that's number 1 but then secondly i need to love my neighbor as myself, the people around me to show them grace, to show them empathy, to have compassion on people around me, to show them God's goodness. So think about this. I don't have to be angry to accomplish the most important thing according to what Jesus said was most important, which is love God and love people. I don't have to be ticked off to do that. I don't have to be angry to make a difference. I don't have to be mad at people to show them the right way. When you think about this, Jesus never ever said you have to be right, but he did say you have to be loving. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Again, there's a part of me that struggles with this message. There's a part of me that thinks if I get ticked off enough, I can fix more things. If I'm angry enough, I can point out the sin. If I'm angry enough, I can set the people on social media straight. If I'm angry enough, I can fix the injustices. But it's kind of like the sport of boxing, MMA fighting. Some of y'all fans of that stuff, right? They get in a ring and they fight. But what you learn about boxing, what you learn about MMA is that the person that normally gets knocked out is the person who got angry and lost their composure. That when they get angry and lose their composure, they end up getting knocked out on the mat because they forget their training. They forget their position. They forget what they're supposed to be doing. They allow the anger to lead them, and the result is they get beat. As disciples of Jesus How do we battle against the forces of darkness? The way we battle is that we lead with love and not with anger. We're not just trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. And what I want you guys to know and everybody watching online is that People who are angry and frustrated and they bring accusation and judgment against others, they rarely make a difference. But people who lead with love are often given an opportunity to make a difference in a person's life. How many of you agree with that statement today? Come on, give God a praise if you if you're in the room, you need to give God a praise. I know some of you are like, man, you're killing me today. I'm gonna wear steel-toe boots. For next week, if you're like me, you find yourself getting annoyed with a lot of things that are out of your control, take a step back. We all have strong opinions. I, prom- I got strong opinions. If you don't believe me, come sit down with me and ask me what I have strong opinions about. I'll tell you, it doesn't mean it's going to help you, right? We all have strong opinions and things that, that, that are important to us, and here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want our opinions to overrule our calling. And our calling is to share the love of Jesus. So I'm going to give you a couple of points. Hit somebody and tell them, listen up. That y'all are not with me. Hit somebody and tell them, listen up. This is going to be so good. So you got to get this. Point number one, if we're going to overcome anger and offense and let go of all that, Number 1, you got to lower your expectation of others. I know you don't want to hear that. Cuz we want to we want to we want to raise expectations for everybody. I'm telling you, you need to lower your expectations of people. You need to lower it. Just lower it. Because what happens is a lot of times In life, people are going to lie to us, people are going to let us down, people are going to betray us, people are not going to show up for an important moment in our life, people are going to forget the investment we made into their life, and they're going to talk about you anyway, they're they're not going to call you back, they're not going to be there for you even though you were there for them. You're going to remember their birthday, and they're going to forget your birthday. They're not going to show up for the baby shower. And and so they're not going to come to your thing, and what's going to happen is they're not going to show up in some kind of way. They're going to say the wrong thing, and what happens is, is you end up disappointed. But what do you expect? Have you never let anyone down? Have you never, ever not been there for someone when they needed you? They're people. Instead of saying, I can't believe she, or I can't believe he, or I can't believe they, I'm so shocked by their behavior, I never thought a Christian could do that. We have to remember at the end of the day, we are all sinners, saved By the grace of God, we are saved, but we are not perfect. We are not perfect. We're going to be let down, and we are going to let others down. And if you start elevating your expectations of everyone around you, and you think they're always going to love you, always going to be there for you, always going to say the right thing, and never, ever mess up, you're setting yourself up to be hurt, offended, and disappointed. The Apostle Paul told a young Timothy about a time that would come that he refers to as the last days that many believe that what Paul was telling Timothy is the day in which we live right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. All right, so he's saying, I want you to take notes because in the last days, This is what people are going to do. It's what it's going to look like. And he says, people will be lovers of themselves. Notice, not lovers of others. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. I almost didn't read verse 5 because I don't think the church is ready for that. Have nothing to do with them. He's saying people wouldn't love themselves, and because they only love themselves, they would do things that only please themselves. He said, that's what it's going to look like in the last days. And we are mad that they didn't text us back. When you look at the list, just because they didn't call you back or text you back or show up for the birthday party, you got to remember, if you are not Jesus, you are not perfect. People will let you down. I'm going to take it a step further. I hate to admit this, but I will let you down. You hang around long enough, Pastor Chad is going to let you down. It's not that I'm going to let anyone down on purpose, but I am human. I promise you, I will let you down at some point. I'm not perfect. And here, here's the thing I, I, I want to I want to kind of plead to you. When I do let you down, please don't say things like, God's not real. Or, The church betrayed me. Some of this stuff people in the church say and don't go to church no more, it ain't gonna hold up in eternity. It's just not gonna hold up. Well, God ain't real. Preacher messed up. I ain't going back to church. Pastor Chad, he didn't call me back. He didn't text me back. He, He didn't show up for this. He didn't show up for that. I will let you down. What happened when I let you down When I let you down is that all that means is that a person who is not perfect, his imperfections showed up. And watch this. Just like your imperfections show up and you let people down all the time. Lower your expectations of people. Jesus was never shocked by self-centeredness. Never shocked by it. Jesus never once said, oh, I can't believe these people are sinning. I just can't believe that they're in adultery. I can't believe they stole. I just, I just, I can't believe all this immoral behavior all around. I just can't believe it. He walked up to the woman at the well, realized that she had been married five times, and the man he, she was living with at that time, they were doing the, you all know what? Five, five husbands and now she's shacked up. Jesus wasn't like, stay away from me. I don't hang out with your kind. I can't get close to that. I'm shocked and appalled by your behavior. He didn't say To Peter, James, or or think to himself, I can't wait to tell Peter, James, and John, because this ain't gossip, this is prayer, about what she's been doing. This woman's been looking for love in all the wrong places. None of that. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't judge her. He wasn't shocked by her behavior. What did he do? He offered her living water. He offered her something that could satisfy. He wasn't shocked by the behavior whenever the disciples were posturing themselves. It's it's hilarious when you read the the Gospels. They were fighting. After following Jesus for some time, they started fighting about who was the greatest disciple. Like, shouldn't we be talking about how great he is? But they're fighting. They're in an argument over who's the right-hand man Who's going to be sitting beside Jesus in eternity? Who's the most important? And you would think at some point Jesus would get tired of these guys and say, Are you guys kidding? Do you remember who you were when I found you? You bunch of tax collectors stealing from people? And I handed, I, I gave you an invitation to follow me. I showed you grace. I'm the Son of God. I've never sinned. All y'all got, all y'all do is sin. But he didn't do that at all. He didn't do that. He kept on loving them. Peter, he was in the inner circle. And one day Peter was bragging. He was saying, Jesus, I'm your guy. All these other guys are losers. They're going to deny you, but I'm going to love you. I'll be there when no one else will be there. I'll chop people's ears off. I'll cuss, I'll do whatever I can to prove my love to you. I'll show everybody that I'm devoted. What did Peter do? He was lying through his teeth because he betrayed Jesus, denied Jesus, abandoned Jesus, stabbed Jesus in the back. What did Jesus do for Peter? He shows back up, and he's not shocked by the behavior, but what does he do? He says, Peter, I got a new assignment for you. I want you to take care of the sheep. If anybody knows what it's like to be up and then to hit rock bottom, it's you. Go take care of the sheep. I got a new assignment for you. He forgave Peter. How do you get over being easily offended? You got to lower your expectations because we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. We all mess up. People are going to let us down. Don't be shocked. Number two. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Some of y'all look like you're hurting. I'm not close to done. You're going to be here a while. Lock the doors. Kidding. We're not going to be that much longer. Lower your expectations of others. Secondly, raise your gratitude for God's grace. I'm going, to lower, I'm going to intentionally lower my expectations of people so I'm not this person who's always offended every time people don't meet this high expectation I have. I'm going to lower that. But secondly, I'm going to raise my gratitude for God's grace. And this is hard. And some of you may say, Pastor, this is hard. I'm hurt. I've gone through something. They turned their back on me. People, I, I just don't trust people. All people stink in my eyes. Anybody ever felt like just all people stink? I've been there. I've been exactly where you are. And I hate to admit this, but when you are a Christian and you're following Jesus, and even more specifically, when you are a leader, a lot of times people can be critical of you and say bad things about you that are not not even true. And many times you still have to take the high road. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I don't want to take the high road. I want to punch people in the face. I would feel better, right? My flesh would be like, I can't believe you lie and take things out of context and say things that are not true. I could tell everybody what really happened and call you to the carpet and everybody would know what, what kind of snake you are. Anybody ever feel like, I just wish I could air it out? I'm the only one, Lord. No, we feel that way, right? I just want to air it out so people can know the facts because that would feel good to my flesh. That would, that, that would make me feel better. Let me ask you a question, though. When you think about, oh, I could really do this or that or I could get back in this way, I think we got to ask ourselves, have we ever sinned? And not just have we ever sinned, have you sinned since you got saved? Have you lusted, cheated, gossiped, overeaten, mistreated your spouse? Have you sinned since you got saved? If you've sinned since you got saved, raise your hand. I'm first. All right? Hey, raise your hands. Keep them up. I want people to look around this room at all these sinners. Y'all, y'all got to work with me a little bit. I'm really going to tell them to lock the doors until y'all get with me. Look at all the sinners in this room. People that have sinned since they got saved, right? But what do I do if I've sinned since I got saved? How, how do I make things right with God after that? As the worship team comes, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, it's not because you were good that God forgave you. It's not because you were holy that God made you right with him. It's not because you had it all together or you had your prayer time and your devotional life in order or you said, now I lay me down to sleep. It actually had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's not your perfection, but his perfection. It's not your goodness, but his goodness. It's his grace that made me right. we're all a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God and sometimes we get in church we follow Jesus and then we get strong opinions we get easily angered and then we start feeling morally superior to everybody around us they're evil and I'm not what if the Lord pulled back the curtain for everybody to see all your imperfections we're like I'm out peace right right We're out, but yet we're so hard on people because we've lifted our expectations of people. What if we spent that time instead of lifting our expectations of people and started lifting our expectations of God's goodness and his grace for us? And you may say today, well, pastor, they lied about me. I'm sure you've lied before. Uh, Let me rephrase that. They lied about me. I've lied before. They stole from me. I hate to admit it, I've stolen before. It was a long time ago. Quit judging me. I'm going to quit listing my sins before all y'all decide to leave the church. But you, you get what I'm talking about. I, I've made mistakes. And if, and if I think about what I've done, watch this, and, and how I'm overwhelmed by what God has done for me. Because if he hasn't shown anybody grace, he's shown me grace. I I could stand up here and speak for 12 hours about all the times God showed me grace. Undeserved. Completely undeserved. Did not earn it. Did not do enough to discount the mistakes I had made. But he was faithful man, if we could raise our expectation of the faithfulness of God instead of raising our expectation of everybody around us and every time they don't act accordingly, we're all frustrated. Get your eyes on Jesus. Let him be your focus. I need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. When we are angry and we are offended, a lot of times we, we will say things like, I just don't have joy, I don't have peace, I don't, I'm not fulfilled. I, I don't understand what's wrong. And the truth is, is that because we are so offended and so angry, and because we have lifted our expectation of others while lowering our, expect, our, our, our view of God's grace, what happens is, is that instead of seeing that and experiencing the grace of God, we're too busy We can't have joy because we're too busy looking for a stone. We're looking for our stone. And I never want to minimize what's been done to you. Because I know what it's like to be hurt, to be betrayed, to be lied about, to have people that you poured into not appreciate the investment you made. I've, I've had to work on this because in an attempt to live an overcoming life for a lot of years what I told people who were angry and, and this is an imperfection, okay? Here's an imperfection. People who were angry and offended would come and they, they wanted help and a lot of times I would say, well, you know, get over it and get healed. Now, how many know there is some truth to that statement? There is some truth to get over it and get healed. But at the same time, it's very important for you to feel what you feel so that you can process your feelings in, a, in the right way. Because it's not a good thing when you don't feel anymore and you can't be sad and you can't be joyful because you've never processed your feelings the right way and you're just numb going through life, which is where a lot of people get. So I, I want to encourage you to feel what you feel. but. Let's bring our feelings into a safe environment. Where's a safe environment? Into the presence of God. Instead of looking for a stone, let's bring our stuff into the presence of God. A lot of times, though, we're so focused on, I'm right and they're wrong. And if you're not careful, your anger will justify your right to hold the stone. It's not even that you're going to throw it or use it. But you hold on to it just in case you might need it. Because if they say it one more time, bless God, I'm throwing it. If they do it again, I'll I'll throw it. I'll throw the stone. In John chapter 8, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery. And the crazy thing is, is that she was caught in the act, but my question has always been, where's the man? both were called but they brought the woman that's a sermon for another day but they're angry and they're upset they bring the woman to the presence of jesus and say she's done wrong she's evil we have our stones we're ready to throw them and the bible tells us that jesus knelt down into the sand and he began to scribble in the sand and the bible says that they all left oldest to the youngest walked away we don't know exactly what he scribbled but tradition would say that he was listing their sins all the things that they had done wrong. And he said, you guys are easily, you guys are angry, you're frustrated, you brought your stones, you're ready to stone her, and you wanna right the wrongs. You wanna right the wrongs. And he says, he who is without sin, you have permission to throw it. And the Bible says, they all dropped, their stones and left you know why because they all had done something wrong they all dropped their stone i love this because if you deal with anger long enough and offense long enough eventually jesus is going to tell you lower your expectations of others raise your gratitude for my grace and because of the goodness of god and because of what you have been forgiven Jesus is going to encourage you and I to drop the stone. I I can't throw it at you. I can't throw it. Why? Because the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much, they love much. And everyone in this room, let's be real, you've been forgiven a lot. So your love ought to be at a high level. Come on, stand to your feet. Give Jesus a praise if you receive the word today. Come on, I know it's a oh me or amen, but come on, give God a praise today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you do that, I want to remind you, Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to be loving. And the goal is not for me to make a point. My goal, the goal is for me to make a difference. Jesus was quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's the way he lived and the way he loved. He's showing us that human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So I want to encourage you today. Let's rise above the noise. Let's lead with love. Let's make a difference. As hands are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, this message has spoken to me. I wanna do a better job of not just trying to make a point. I wanna do a better job of trying to make a difference. If that's you, would you just raise your hands right there where you are, if you feel like hands all over the building. I'm gonna do two, two, two prayers. I wanna pray for those that are lifting their hand right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I start with me. Do a work in my heart. Help me to lead with love that even when I'm angry and been betrayed or lied on or spoken about, God, that you would give me the grace that I need for the people around me. Help me to do a better job of not just making a point but making a difference. Holy Spirit, lead our conversations. Direct our thought patterns. Help us to process feelings in an appropriate way that we would bring them into your presence, God, that you could help us when we've been hurt or damaged or offended. God, it's not that we have to deny that it happened. We just want to process it in a way that honors you. God, I thank you that this is a house of healing, not just physical healing, but God, emotional healing. God, I pray that you would heal today in the name of Jesus. You would heal relationships that you would heal those that have been offended or holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, that you would do a supernatural work in their heart. God, order their steps. I ask it today in Jesus' name. Heads remain bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I just need Jesus to save me. I need him to forgive me. I'm not where I need to be with God. But I want to make things right today. If you're in-house and that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Thank you for this hand. Thank you for this hand. Thank you for this hand. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else, thank you for this hand. I see you. Awesome. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray together with these four hands that have gone up. And those of you that are watching online, we would love for you to be a part of this prayer to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you would, just say it out loud, even. In the house, and if you're watching by phone or computer screen, say this out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give them a big, big hand clap. Come on, four people making a decision, moving from death unto life. Prayer team and staff, if you'd go ahead and get in place, we want to open up the altars. But for those of you that just made that decision, I want to refer to that Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would pull that card out, jot down your name. There's a box there you can check that you're committing your life to Christ. And if you would take that at the end of service to the table in the back of this room, my left, your right, we have a gift for you. we got a brand-new Bible. We want to put it in your hands. And we just want to help you take your next step. So take advantage of that. Um, You don't want to do this journey alone. You want to do it with other people. And let me say this about this time of prayer and worship. Whatever you have need of, this altar is open. We want you to come with faith and let's believe that God is going to move whatever and, and some of you the truth is, I'm gonna say this, I don't know who this is for, but there are people in this room that literally need to respond to the message you just heard. You need to be in this altar getting getting prayer because that's what's gonna help you overcome your anger and your offense. You're making a decision, but sometimes how many know we gotta we gotta respond to the word we've heard we got to respond to it. So when we begin singing, these altars are open. We want to pray with you. We love you. I hope you still love me. You have to be if you want to go to heaven. But let's give Jesus a big, big praise. Come on.